0: You are listening to African Father in America podcast by Simon Javan Okelo, live from Seattle, Washington, USA. Thank you so much for joining me for an incredible episode of the African Father in America podcast. My name is Simon Javan Okelo, and today I'm really, really privileged to be joined here by an incredible leader. Uh, Ming Ming uh, Tung Endelman, who is an incredible, you know, uh, founder of one of the organizations here in the Pacific Northwest that uh, really, really support uh, the immigrant community, especially uh, women. Ming Ming, go ahead and say hello to our viewers and our listeners today.
1: Hi, good morning. Thank you, Simon, for inviting me to be your program. Uh, my name is Mingming Tung Edelman. Uh, I'm an immigrant from Taiwan and a founder of Refugee Arts Initiative that I started about five, almost six years ago.
0: Excellent. Thank you so much, Mingming. Uh, you know, when when we, we confirmed that we were going to be able to have you on the show, I just got excited because uh, I have a lot of love and respect for the work that you do. For those who are meeting Mingming for the first time, uh, Mingming founded Refugee Artisan Initiative uh, that literally provides jobs, provides a place of refuge, uh, and provides uh, a space for creativity for you know amazing women uh, from Ethiopia from. Afghanistan from Nepal you know I was there myself recently and I was really really uh, my, my mind was just um, blown by the impact that uh, Ming Ming is having in the community but as usual uh, we start our show with an African proverb and uh, today we are going to take a quick virtual journey to Tanzania uh, where our proverb comes from and uh, I am actually just quickly setting up our clubhouse uh, space so that our friends uh, who are joining us over there can also participate in this beautiful conversation uh, i just want to welcome cubs i see you and uh, i see brother rushi and kiden another podcaster who has joined us for today's show and brother earth uh, and also i see Taban on youtube and M Jewel. thank you all so much for taking the time to join us um, our proverb says, um, the, way, uh, the way a donkey expresses gratitude is by giving someone a bunch of kicks. The way a donkey expresses gratitude is by giving someone a bunch of kicks. When you think about this uh, proverb from Tanzania, it personally reminds me of a Kiswahili proverb that says, asante apunda nimateke which means exactly the same thing you know you can do so many things for the donkey but one day it will kick you you know it will kick you and totally forget about all the good that you did for it but there are three nuggets of wisdom that my team and i prepared for you today and i want to share them right now the first one says that gratitude can be unique you know um, and maybe that's how the donkey knows how to say thank you so we just have to accept it <laughs> and then the second one says that think before acting a lot of the time uh, you know you think that you should expect gratitude from a donkey but that's probably not you should not you, you, you should do you should just uh, you know help and then go your way you know sometime you should expect very little uh, from those that we help Whether it's a donkey or other people. And then uh, finally, our last nugget of wisdom says that appreciate the small things. You know, Uh, many times uh, we, especially when you are a founder like uh, my special guest today, or myself, or you are a community leader or a business leader, you know, you wait to be grateful during Thanksgiving, you wait to be grateful during. Uh, the holiday season but it's the little things every day that uh mean a lot and can push you through the day and also push you through the year so this proverb is suggesting that you know we should appreciate just the little things uh because if we wait for the big thing it might be a disappointment so uh i want to you know ask you ming ming to also share with us your thoughts Uh, about today's proverb from Tanzania. It says that the way a donkey expresses gratitude is by giving someone a bunch of kicks. What do you think about this proverb?
1: You know, I think this is a perfect reflection of my very early stage of starting my organization out of my car, uh, you know, all the desire to make sure that uh, refugee and immigrant women who would like to sell, able to use their skills, but don't have the means for it, so I will be literally carrying a sewing machine in the back of my car and go to different p- parts of um, South Seattle, um, South End of Seattle, or the North End. And and, and initially, uh, you know, knowing that they need machine to start out, so uh, every time I make a profit, I will go buy sewing machines. But then, it, and then very quickly, the word gets out that I get a free sewing machine, and it's become an entitlement. <laughs> Uh, of the woman and 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 uh, you know that was when i got frustrated you know was like you know you know don't you appreciate what i you know get this machine for you you know free of charge and and now you're saying that your your neighbors you have one and you know um so anyway it it actually creates a bit of a conflict in the beginning so i think the purple is very relevant and then i have to look at myself in the mirror you know do i take this personally you know um, you know or is that because there's a, such a need in the community so you know by not let that affecting me reacting to them and showing the, the idea that having the machine is a critical part of what they can do and let's mo- move on to see how we can make that er- er- instrument work in the future uh, so yeah that was definitely very difficult in the beginning so I think the proverb was very
0: appropriate. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Thank you. Thank you so much, uh, Ming Ming. I love uh, how this is exactly related to the work and the struggles of starting an incredible organization uh, like what you're doing with the Refugee Artisan Initiative. Uh, for those who are joining us, you know, my guest is really uh, someone. I love bringing guests that I care about the work that they do. And I also love bringing guests that. Are directly impacting the community. You know, there are people who have written books about the ideas that they want to do in their community. There are people who have stories about the work that they they want to do in their community. But uh, for me, I especially have a big, um, uh, you know, a big, a, a big uh, admiration for leaders like Mingming, Ming, who uh, are actually living uh, their dream, but also you know uh, making their dream impact the lives of many many people so if you're just joining us and watching on youtube make sure you give this video a thumbs up and share and also make sure you leave a comment down below and if you are on clubhouse thank you so much make sure you invite other people to join us as well my guest is mingming tang endelman and she's an immigrant from taiwan and she's uh, she's re- literally living her lifelong purpose uh, by running Refugee Artisan Initiative, an amazing and an award-winning nonprofit organization. If you think about uh, how many times she's been featured in local news here on Seattle Times, King Five, uh, she's also been featured on other major outlets. But The awards that she's won because of the work that she's doing is just incredible. And we will be able to share that with you in the blog some other time, you know, from the Business Leadership Award from International Examiner to the 2022 Be Bold Women Award to King County MLK Community Healthcare Leadership uh, Community Champion. You know, the list goes on. So, uh, you know, as you join us for the show, I just want you to know that we are here with someone who is doing incredible work including the necklace that you're wearing talk to us about your necklace before we go deeper into our story
1: <laughs> yeah so when i first started the organization um i was realizing a lot of our women live in a small apartments, uh cramp area so starting something small handcraft was important but because i always like to upcycle and one night i actually was in my bed reading oprah magazine and it says oprah is ready to have a, a closet clean out her closet so she had this um this auction so i was fortunate to get a, one of the pieces of her clothing i want the biggest piece so i can repurpose so it was a a, a slate gray jumpsuit so we incorporate uh the leaves with our flowers and become the very beginning very initial um, sort of a signature piece of of our organization, this fabric necklace. It's beautiful and it's it's cheerful. And uh, as a matter of fact my friend was wearing this piece of uh, necklace and went to our local Shahuli museum and this and spot by the buyer and that's how we first started getting to a local museum is because it's different, it's distinct and and who does not like to have an um, Oprah's hug? <laughs> and they wake up in the morning or and they went out
0: to dinner. <laughs> it's so beautiful. Your your work is uh, totally inspiring to me. And, uh, you know, I, I know that today we are going to talk really a lot about, um, I don't know, there's so many aspects of your story, but I want us to start from the beginning, you know. Uh, I always ask my guests this question, you know, um, What is it that happened in your childhood that continues to drive your vision and your work today? You know, I share the story that when I was eight years old, my mother gave me a bicycle so that I could distribute milk and bread in our neighborhood. And how that impacted how I build relationships today, how uh, I am an entrepreneur today uh, and how, you know, I have this fighting spirit with anything that I do. And I feel that a lot of leaders, uh, you know, were transformed even before they became leaders. And so I want you to share your own story of what (laughs) happened uh, in, you know, in your childhood that inspires all these great things you're doing today with Refugee Artisan Initiative.
1: Well, I think um, what inspired me really this photo that's been uh, with me was we um, moved to different parts of the world. Yeah, uh see. in the picture here you see yeah. the woman i see in the me- yeah yeah moving okay,
0: towards see. this other side this other, the other way the other way. right there uh-huh okay. right uh, there
1: so you see <laughs> no, so you see uh the lady in the middle the older lady that's my grandmother she too and uh and in this picture she actually uh baked me a cake and and then uh, I'm, I'm the girl who was cutting the birthday cake, wearing the dress she made for me. And then uh, next to her was my as uh, my uh, late sister she, uh, that she made the clothes for her. And my mom all the way uh, to the end, the lady wearing the uh, purple flower dress. So Grandma Shizu has such a profound effect on me. Uh, she is a woman with rudimentary educations in a small village of Taiwan, and. And my grandfather died very young as an alcoholic uh, with alcoholic cirrhosis. So she was able to put food on the table, raising three children, using her skill, self-taught seamstress, making clothes for all the women um, in her neighborhood. I often, you know, see her sewing, the sound of foot pedaling sewing machine in her house, um, you know, wearing the clothes. my sister and I practically look like twins were only 14 months apart. She would make us matching summer flower dresses uh, in the seventies, pack suits and a Chinese traditional clothing. So, you know, she instilled to me the idea that if you give, if you have tools and skills, you can transform lives. And and that really instilled me. And, and before I left Taiwan, um, my suitcase um, had a few pieces of the clothing that she made for me. And one of them was this, amazing um, dress. It's made of chiffon. Chiffon is a really delicate silk uh, uh, fabric. It snacks really easily and somehow she decided to make me this super fancy cake layer dress that has with my family to from Taiwan to Saudi Arabia, Saudi Arabia to America and then America back to Taiwan for my daughter to wear at the family reunion. So so that's a piece of a legacy and I, I always feel like something is missing as I've come to America and and, and getting my education. I got a doctoral degree in pharmacy and practicing as a pharmacist for uh, twenty-five years and just retired last year so I can focus fully on this Uh, in Denver, but I I really want to reconnect with my community. And that is the way I give back and continue my grandma's legacy.
0: That's so beautiful. Uh, Speaking about uh, legacies, uh, traditions, you know, currently, we are still celebrating the Chinese, uh, you know, New Year, you know? And, uh, you know, before the beginning of the show, and also, you know, as an African uh, living here in America, Uh, One of the things I love about America is how there are so many celebrations uh, of different cultures and uh, of people that I never knew I would actually ever interact with in my life. So tell us about, uh, you know, the current uh, Chinese New Year celebration. I know that it's the Year of the Rabbit. Tell us about what that means and just show us uh, (laughs) behind you what's going on. uh, And then we will come back to our regular conversation where we will uh, go b- back into what you, what you do uh, with Refugee Artisan Initiative. I want us to go deeper into that for a moment.
1: Yeah, well, Simon, I think it's uh, it's coincidentally when you told me to have a good lighting in my house and somehow I set it up and, and known to me, it happened to be to my left and right, you see the red, um, um, uh, banners and, and sticker uh, on the window. So uh, this is the year of a rabbit. Uh, Chinese uh, is working on the Lunar New Year. So this is the year of a rabbit. We have a zodiac of 12 animals, so they rotate. And uh, so when the new year comes, every household <laughs> uh, will, will put uh, things that represent good luck for the coming year. So red is something you have to wear on New Year's Day, and um, um, you know uh, on this uh, on this side you see on the top of my uh, my wall there, and it tells you that uh, bringing good luck to the family. And then uh, the other one uh, to my the other side, the round circle, uh, it, it means food. Uh Fu means also um, abundance of, of of good luck and good fortune and it's hung upside down uh, in every household because arrival in Chinese means it's stands pronunciation as upside down. So you hang it upside down. So those good luck and, and good, uh, good fortune will come your way the next year. And uh, so it's a two-week celebration. We are on day night today, and uh, of the two-week celebration, so lots of good food, <laughs> lots of gathering with families, and uh, you know, um, this is pretty much our winter holiday. Schools are out, uh, families get together, and uh, I really miss that. I have a very huge family in Taiwan, and being here in America, I have to remind myself myself uh, to take a pause and to celebrate. We make dumplings. Uh, I have friends come over making dumplings with my family. Uh, Again, you know, a lot of food is very symbolic, you know, fish, dumplings, things with green, green equals money. (laughs) So there's all these really, uh, really interesting symbolic food that we eat. So I love Chinese New Year. So so thank you for the opportunity to share with your audience.
0: Yeah, it's beautiful. And I love just the joy in seeing you talk about it you know uh, for me joy just seeing joyful people around me is very beautiful but also uh, you know as i was saying i'm raising my kids here in america and uh, just embracing uh, other cultures allows other people to also embrace my culture allows other people to to understand me better whenever i'm expressing myself and also thank you for being open to engaging with my show, even though it's grounded on African proverbs. I just, uh, you know, appreciate you for being open that way. Now, I want us to talk about Refugee Artisan Initiative. You know, um, for me, I think this is one of the most important organizations here in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, I grew up with tailors uh, on the street in in my hometown, where if your clothes uh, you know was was uh, getting older uh, you you'd go and patch it you know uh if you are playing and you tore your clothes you'd go and you know there are tailors everywhere and so here in america one of the challenges i've had is even repairing my clothes you know uh and so there's a lot of wastage where a cloth is not totally uh worn out but you have to throw it away Uh, or you have to take it to goodwill. Uh, And so when I began hearing about what you're doing, uh, it was around the pandemic, you know, and, um, you know, I want you to also share with us how you were able to supply, you know, masks to uh, thousands of people, but really uh, talk to us about where it started, Uh, you know, talk to us about some of the guiding principles of your organization and really uh, where where it's going, you know, um, where, where you want to take this incredible organization.
1: Well, thank you, uh, Simon, for this opportunity to share with your audience. You know, uh, you all started, you have some ideas what you want to go as a as a, somebody creative and want to give back to my community, you know, it's a journey, right? It's not like I know that's how I am today. It always start with the desire, really looking at uh, the woman that you know coming to America. You know, my, I myself is a great example uh, with my parents, especially my mother, when we first come to America. You know, um, you know she had to be home. She she was working for the government and. She, but you know, she didn't have the British skills um, that can support her uh, here in America. So it made me realizing that a lot of women come to America have skill like my grandmother. You know, sewing is a universal language. You can come from Afghanistan, Ethiopia, Morocco, Vietnam, China. You know, Myanmar. It doesn't matter. These are representation of women that come from to us from in Seattle. But if they know how to sell and this, unfortunately, Simon, just like you say, it's something that we don't emphasize here in America. You know, we are a culture here, especially in a high tech culture like Seattle. You know, what is your computer skill? What is, your, you know, what, what kind of coding system you know how to do? And and it's really is an equity issue. You know, to me, you know, if you come to America, if you want to use a skill that you already have we should find a pathway for it and um and as you look as i dive deeper you know i i realize especially our refugee population when they first come to america they have about 90 days of support from our government and 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 for a lot of them the airfare to america it's already a debt they have to pay back so how how can our regular workforce development of asking people to learn English, ask people to learn how to drive so you can go to your work, ask people to find childcare? It's just not applicable for my population because a lot of time what happens is that when they resettle here in America, the husband needs to find a job right away and the children are going to school, and that leaves a woman. Uh, who may know how to sell or have some handcraft skill completely isolated because there's no other means for them to connect. Therefore, this population of refugee women in America has the highest employment rate of 60, not one six, sixty-six zero 60, six zero percent of employment rate. That is just not acceptable. So I doing my small part of Way to connect them, give them a place as refuge. Coming to our makerspace, meet our staff, doing intake on what their needs are, doing sewing assessment to see what what level are they in. We're not turning your away if you're a beginner. You know, if you need help to brush your sewing skills, we have sewing classes that you can come and starting a community of people to support you. And once you give them more skill, you can become artisans. And what that means is that a lot of them uh, will come once a week to pick up the projects or learn a new project on site and take them home. And so they can work from home and their own space and time and then come back uh, for the following week. So this model uh, work well, especially, um, we are also emphasized uh, looking at how we can uh, repurpose materials right around in our community <laughs> so we have a four pillars of value and first is sustainability so we want to make sure we use things that's around us so simon what you mentioned uh, uh COVID was a great example because about a month before COVID, i get connected with a um a biggest uh amazon company that uh a uh, uh, vendor that sells bed sheets, and they have a Storage full of return bed sheets. Uh, apparently, you buy bed sheets that you don't like it, you return them, and they're not allowed to resell them for a regulation. So, there are these bed sheets, 100% high thread count cotton sheets. So, the higher the thread count, that means the tighter, more woven. So, they're great for mass. So, we have all these in our basement, uh, our storage in the beginning. So right away around March 16th when government Inslee says no more, uh, you know, schools because COVID and we pivot from making kitchen towels and juries. we stop all that and I stopped my first ever GoFundMe campaign basically making masks and send them to the hospital and the clinic as quickly as we can. And and that's really when we uh, you know start to thrive and, and 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 also keep our women safe at home, uh, making things that is really essential. Uh, especially during the year of twenty twenty, we made over eighty thousand masks uh, for for our bus driver because metro bus drivers still have to drive buses and uh, you know in in our um, hospitals, clinics, and and your post office still open to a set mail, So places that are uh, our frontline workers that need these items, we send it actually across the country, including Navajo nations, where um, you know they are greatly affected by COVID. So we wanna make sure they have the PPE they need. Um, so that is a sustainable piece and equity for us, meaning that we wanna ensure the woman that can start working with us will at least make above minimum wage of Seattle. It's a very expensive city. So we want to make sure they have fair wages. And that is important part when we work with our partner. It's like when you want us to make products, co-design code a product, a song product with you, you know, equity is really important. So, you know, you, if you want to find the cheapest uh, least amount of labor, we are not the organization that you work with. So equity for women, make sure they have uh, access to um, um, uh, the work and a lot of women also have their own micro businesses. So helping them uh, how to start out their acting shop, selling their own product it's also really important. Um, and third area is creation of training. As uh, as Simon walked in uh, last a uh, couple of weeks ago, he saw we have a whole bunch of sewing machine. You know, training is really important because some of the women. Uh, know how to sew and we realized when they come to sew they were using one hand because back home the other hand was using the mechanical sewing machine. So even come to America, they have to transition to use electric sewing machine. So it's the same concept, but you know, it's different. Uh, So we started offering beginning sewing classes because we have a group of Ethiopian women here in Lake City, Washington, come and request, say, we live in a neighborhood. um, There's no really a place for us to meet and do things. uh, Once my kids in school, we want to learn how to sew. So uh, it is such a satisfying uh, thing to see them coming with no knowledge and finish sewing one class and become friends, they were, you know, Pray together. They all run in the middle of the class, and they bring food to share. And then, then now they're in, you know in finish intermediate classes, and few of them are actually become the artisan in the group. So see that progression. How the training can translate into a living wage for these women. It's really what gets me going every morning. And then, um, and then you know. Last but not least is a community, right? So our value of a community is that all are welcome regardless of your religion, race. Uh, We are a woman-centric center to make sure that women who can be just fresh up the plane from Afghanistan, have gone through war trauma, for some of those have been here for 10 years, but have never been able to get connected, that we want to welcome you here. We want to see what are your potentials are. So I am so blown away as a mini microcosm of the world here at Refugee Arts Initiative to see the talents that they bring to share not only their talents, their culture. So so currently we have a group of Afghan women are working on a really spectacular project that we are commissioned by the Seattle Opera. Uh, uh, it's called Cochiani Project. And they're making these intricate beading embroidery. Each artisan are uh, working, you know, some can be a month for a, a piece of art. And we're going to assemble them into a beautiful dress that would be at, at the Seattle Opera. So creating a community for these women work together and also elevate their work. Because, you know, we don't want to say a woman can only do piecework you know um, a smaller project but think bigger they are artists some of them are artists with creativity and and we should compensate for them at that level of work Um, so anyway i'm really excited about uh continue um to the work that we did through the four pillars of equity sustainability training and community
0: i love that I love that. I, I feel like there could be so many other pillars added to the work that you do. For example, you know, when I was there and I, I'm just so happy that I was able to come uh, you know, to your maker space myself. Uh I was really moved by seeing a crowd of women looking for opportunities and seeing how you are welcoming them. Some women were coming with their daughters, granddaughters. Mm-hmm. And they were all excited and interested in really becoming a part of what you're doing. Um, the other piece that I saw, so this is inclusivity. I felt that you are very inclusive and you are inviting. You've created an environment where uh, people people just show up and they ask for, how can I be a part of this? And, and that's really needed in America right now. Um, and also... I saw that there is a climate change angle to the work that you're doing because you're you're partnering with the with the with the Department of Forestry. Talk about that for a moment.
1: Yes. So uh, part of somebody really interested in looking at how can we take material and reuse them, and a lot of time, you know, uh, textile, you know, is one of the biggest ways. 85% of textile end up in the landfill, regardless a lot of effort we do. And 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 as part of you know, we we take back a lot of material, particular textile, and repurpose them. That we've done that for the last five years, but it gets me to think more about what's happening around the world. And then you know, right now we're in the middle of winter. So you may not you might remember that really hot summer into October <laughs> of last year that we're still wearing shorts and. And our, you know, our planet's on fire. And I, I had this opportunity being approached by a consultant for the U.S. Forest Service for about a year and a half, saying, you know, I heard that you do upcycle work, but do you know that there is a football field full of retired fire hoses after they, uh, especially in a wildfire, uh, here in Washington, Oregon? And I was like, what? A fi- football field full of it? She's like. Can you take as many as you can? And I say, well, you know, we have to think this through because, you know, there's a lot of logistics. But but I really want to make this happen because, you know, it is a paradoxical that the very instrument that we use to fight the fight wildfire that's causing climate change will become the source of problem climate change. Because afterward um, each firefighting, they will be a SAS if they don't meet the pressure requirement, they have holds, you know, blah, 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 they cannot be reused. So, um, so um, there's really two ways to deal with it. One is to um, pay the, uh, a service, get it incinerated, and that will create even more global warming. And second is that people uh, like me say, okay, let, you know, let's take some to kind of figure out a pathway get them in, uh, create into a new uh, product because fire hoses are really durable. So right now we're testing out different things that can become new product that's durable that can be waterproof. And uh, I will be pitching, uh, I'm one of the finalists uh, through the first ever uh, Next Cycle Washington, first ever sort of a circular economy uh, pitch competition in March 23rd to uh, to kind of uh, give a pitch on the importance of uh, fire hoses and looking for markets. Uh, we think this can be you know, a next uh, thing that we do here at Ray because we are we have become a bag guru. We we'll make masks and now we make a lot of bags from uh, coffee burlap bags, and then now we can you know think about you know how we can uh, turn that become our hero product in the future. And we're looking for partnership. You know, I think a lot of the time, Doing alone can be very lonely. So, uh, we're also in the process of becoming ethical handcraft certified organization, the only one in the US through the NEST and the cohort of 2022. So, hopefully, that that, that being uh, ethical handcraft certified uh, along with this new material can attract new partnerships so we can keep as many of these fire hoses out of landfill. And, uh, and they're
0: really fun to play with. <laughs> I love this. I love the, the just the last word you said, uh, playing with it. Because a lot of people, when they encounter problems, they become very serious and they forget that a lot of solutions can be found through being playful, you know. So just the spirit of what you said is also the exact spirit of what I saw when I was there uh, at your space. Um, but Ming Ming... Uh, We have a big community of people who have been listening and they're excited to also be involved with with our conversation. So I want you to take some notes if you have a pen and paper or some mental notes because we are being joined by a global community that is just going to engage with our conversation today. Uh, If you're on YouTube, uh, you know, thank you for joining us. Make sure you give this video a thumbs up and also uh, comment down below so that we can see what your thoughts are in regards to today's proverb and also what your comment is in regards to my conversation with Ming Ming, uh, who is the founder of Refugee Artisan Initiative and our special guest today. Ming Ming, we are being joined by a couple of friends who join us here regularly, like M. Jewel, who is saying that this is a comment on YouTube. It's unfortunate the school systems have removed those classes, sewing classes, and woodwork and learning to repair cars and cooking classes, uh, and also she's saying that many of those women who uh, are Span who are Spanish who are from Harlem, uh, who who are who are Spanish, and many of the women from the community you're speaking about are in Harlem, and uh, they were seamstresses, and it's just interesting that you're talking about the value of sewing skills. That's what she's saying over there. I just wanted to make sure. I mentioned that, but now I want to bring in our speakers on Clubhouse. I want to start with you, Cubs. Just share quickly where you're joining us from, what today's proverb means to you, and share a comment uh, to Ming Ming, my special guest today.
2: Oh, great! <clears throat> Thank you. Always love being in this room. Um, and for this proverb, it's it's really a, a, a powerful product proverb. I think you always have to think about who you invest in. Um, and also, um, I volunteered quite a bit. And one of the things I found out, you know, out of the hundred people that you said, yes, we're going to do this, we'll join you. 20% really actually follow through. Um, and, and, and sadly, sometimes the 80% is the one that has, you know, most of the complaints and is not even grateful when the work is done. They just want to come and eat <laughs> when everything is finished. Um, and so what that does, what I've learned is, you know, when you do the thing, don't do it because of the people do it because you're convicted to do what you're trying to do or what you're supposed to do so that that is what i find leads me forward and keeps me continuing to do things that i think are aligned with my purpose so that that's that um uh meaning your work is really impressive impressive i come from a manufacturing background so
3: um
2: and this is based in kenya so i'm really uh hearing you when you talk about um, the circular economy and the work you're doing with women refugees. In fact, interestingly, there's a community that does a lot of uh, work with women refugees in in, in Kenya and they make uh, textiles. Most of my runners on my table are from them and the the, the dining tablecloths and Christmas decorations, all of that they make and they turn over different ideas. So often use recycled materials there's even a company that's using plastics and making clothes, you know, so there's there's just so many ideas. And, um, you know, that what you're doing is actually, when I listen to it, it's really exciting. And the biggest part that it's it's more exciting is the fact that it's sustainable and that um, these women have, have a hope and that's what you're creating. So thank you so much. Back to you, Simon.
0: Thank you. Thank you, Cubs. Yeah, it's amazing. Mingming turns trash into products, you know, including a lot of uh, used coffee bags from Starbucks. You'll talk about that uh, after we hear from everyone, Ming Ming, because I think that's a great piece that uh, you know everybody needs to listen to for a second. Uh, but Stella, let's hear from Stella briefly uh, and continue on with the list of uh, contributors who have joined the stage on Clubhouse. Stella, how are you? Where are you joining us from? And what does today's proverb mean to you? And uh, share a comment uh, in regards to the conversation with Ming Ming, too.
4: Thank you, Simon. Hello, everyone. Hi, Ming Ming. I love your name. <laughs> it <laughs> sounds like uh, something that glitters. <laughs> yeah, so um, uh, on today's proverb, it says the way a donkey expresses gratitude is by giving someone a bunch of kicks. Uh, it's, it's actually a Swahili proverb, I think that has been translated into English uh, and in Swahili, they say, punda So, uh, basically I think donkeys get excited when they are happy. Cause I used to work with donkeys a lot when I was a young girl. (laughs) We'd go to get water from the lake, and then the donkeys would carry the water. And uh, after after visiting the lake, we would then go and graze them and just ensure they get food and water for drinking. And then you would see that later they would be so excited after eating of course they would be so excited and jump up and down kicking in the air just as a sign of showing they're happy and all that and i think that's their way of expressing their joy and happiness uh however to me this proverb it spoke to me about rejection and i love how simon said that ming ming turns trash into product and i think it kind of relates to rejection in the sense that rejection it's so disappointing when it happens to you especially if you're like expecting something that was going to like change your life and it doesn't happen it is so disappointing the first time but later when you just take it positively and start reassessing the situation and work so hard on yourself and just try to use it as a fuel to find where you went wrong or where you went right and try to fill in the gaps. Then later you realize that you've improved a lot and you even get a better opportunity than the one you are looking for. So yeah, thank you and uh, I'm happy to be here today.
0: Wonderful! Thank you so much, uh, Stella. Stella is part of my team at OneVibe, and uh, you know, if you want to, if you want to be a guest on the show, if you want to learn more about how we are doing this, you should follow her and ask her about it. <laughs> uh, Kidan, how are you? Thank you for joining us. Um, share with us your thoughts on the proverb and comments uh, on the conversation with Mingming. Thank you so much
3: thank you so much simon good morning everyone wherever you are in the world um i'm joining you guys here from florida um wow what this proverb means to me i i see how we've been um tying all the proverbs to like children um the last couple of weeks and so it makes me think about kids and how when you do nice stuff for them. They don't always say thank you. (laughs) Sometimes they'll be kicking and screaming and, you know, you might, you might give them gifts, it might be their birthday. Um, And I'm saying this because I have a toddler. And sometimes when I'm expecting uh, a show of gratitude, I get the opposite. But for me, it's also a reminder to just know, hey, you know, he's just a child and he doesn't really know how to express gratitude in the same way that adults know how to. And so this proverb just makes me, it's like a reminder to me about knowing your personnel you know, knowing who it is that you're dealing with and um, kind of managing your expectations. So um, that's that. But as far as the interview, um, Ming, I think you're very, very inspirational. Um, I loved hearing all of the amazing things that you're doing. It's just also another reminder um, about the power of community and also our skills. Um, So thank you very much. That's my time.
0: Excellent. Thank you so much. Uh, Kiden is an amazing podcaster and a wonderful musician, too. So make sure you follow her. Thank you for making the time, uh, Kiden. Brother Ath, how are you? Where are you joining us from? Share with us your thoughts on the proverb and comment uh, on the conversation with Mingming.
5: Top of the day, top of the week, Brother Simon, to you and the whole village. Uh, you know, like I said, it, it's always a pleasure and an honor to uh, dwell upon the wisdom of the ancestors. Uh, as far as the conversation with um, the speaker, I, I was in and out, and I heard bits of it, but, you know, I, I want to commend her for all uh, the great work that, that she does. And then, you know, I, I think that's uh, very key how she said that, you know, uh, sewing is universal. And that's something that's not valued here in America. But again, you know, across the world, it's a universal language. And that's uh, uh, very key. And as far as the proverb, it says, uh, the way a donkey expresses gratitude is by giving someone a bunch of kicks. And um, what that what that makes me think of, or it reminds me of, and I think the uh, last week of uh, Keaton, uh, Mentioned about it, it it's, uh, you know, uh, it, when, when you understand who you dealing with, you know, you understand, you get a better understanding of how to communicate with them or, or how they will communicate with you. And uh, what I would uh, also, what it reminds me of, uh, I was uh, dating this girl, this lady, a while back. And um, it's, she told me about something you can get on the internet and take uh, this uh, five love language test. And the five love languages are words of affirmation, acts of service, gifts, quality time, and physical touch. And so if you are a type of person who like to do physical touch, right, you might think you were expressing that to the, uh, another person, but if they like acts of service, you know, um, the communication won't be clear because y'all speaking two different languages. So that's why it's important to understand who you're dealing with. You get a, a better understanding of how to communicate. And the relationship can be so much more beautiful when you come to that
0: understanding. And I'm going to park my plane right there. Peace and love is Brother Earth. Thank you, Brother Earth. Uh, hey, Jay, how are you? Uh, where are you joining us from? And what are your thoughts on the proverb and the conversation with Ming Ming?
6: um hi brother simon and i'm joining you from seattle washington and blessings to everyone in this room uh i'm so happy to see johnny on the stage and brother i'm never sure what you're gonna say and if i'm just going to have to diddle whatever you say when you speak so i i did want to say it this is that the first thing that came to mind regarding the proverb is how particularly men when I noticed, I don't know if they do it that much anymore, um, when they get really excited and they're happy and they're thrilled about something, they'll hit each other really hard on the back (laughs) Or, or they'll play box or something like that and so this proverb made me think of that oftentimes you know the joy that men will express and will share in that type of touching brother mentioned but you know they will actually you know start jostling and things like that so um, but it's never to be hurtful or harmful it's because they're really excited maybe happy to see each other or happy about something that they they did together um or some place that they're going but anyway so that's that's what i thought about when it came to this proverb regarding your guest i am so incredibly impressed and i think it's wonderful um all the things that she's doing that really is you know helping to bring out the skills and the talents and the abilities they already have but you know giving them an opportunity to do it here in this country in a way that will allow them to earn um an income. So I'm going to give this to your guest, and she may already be doing it, but this is the first thing that came to mind that, uh, you know, working with the forest industry is that there are so many areas around the country, and we're having problems in this country, as I say, around the world when it comes to water. and and water intrusion and having to pack your stuff and leave because of that water intrusion is is, is creating bags for people um, where water will not, intrude in their bags and damage their property. So I I would love to see if that isn't already happening. I would love to see something like that. Bags that are water resistant um, out of repurposed material. Thank you so much and uh, wishing everyone well
0: that's beautiful ming will will respond towards the end to your suggestion but they're they're well known for bugs and in fact she's making a a bunch of stuff for me too you know a, a bug for my an indestructible bug for my nyatiti music instrument uh we, we're just coming up with great ideas and j mingming is going to be one of the speakers at kijiji night so you guys are going to meet in person uh jay is a you know, an amazing poet, a writer, and uh, she's going to be at Kijiji Night as one of the performers. Uh, and Joni, who is speaking at the end of the, you know, the list of contributors, is also traveling from out of town to join us in Seattle for Kijiji Night as well. But now let's listen to Rich Mo and then Kenny, and then finally Joni, just briefly. And then uh, Ming-Ming, we are coming back to you to close the show for us. Uh, Rich Mo, how are you doing, my brother? Uh, the microphone is yours
7: hey simon happy new year to everybody else in the room uh, it's been and happy new year simon this is great i think the first time i'm coming back on on this room's great value great uh just potential and uh, uh just encouragement as i start the day my take on the proverbs uh for the, the uh, that's posted up there and to um uh, ming uh, such an amazing uh individual um the proverb reminded me of this chinese uh story about it. just it's not a, it's it, just keep it brief uh of a farmer in his community and they talk about a horse uh wandering away to the to the wild and the community come to the farmer and say hey we lost the horse it went out it's a bad thing and the farmer says good or bad we don't know the following day the horse comes back with two other horses the community runs back to the farmer hey uh Great news, the horse is bad. He's back with three more. Uh, they, they wandered back and there are three more. And the, farmers, the farmer says, good or bad? I don't know. Then the son of the farmer trains the horse. There were wild horses. And falls off the horse, breaks his leg. The military comes to recruit, or they come to the farmer and they ask him, hey, your son fell off the horse, broke his leg. Good or bad? He says, we don't know. The military is recruiting uh, people to join the army come to him and they say, hey, your son, can he join up in the army? He says, I broke his leg, uh, good or bad. We don't. So the moral of the story is about as in Swahili, say mateke," that whether good or bad, when you do and your motives are right, and your motives come from a pure place, good or bad, we do not know. But as long as they are pure, they will stand the test of time. And I love that aspect because there's so much uh, underlying Codes Sometimes when I'm in the continent, and I'm like, want to do good, and you're like, but wait a minute, they might not even receive it. Tenda mema nenda zako is what we also say in Swahili. Do good, move forward. And I so appreciate this proverb. It's really grounding me uh, as we pivot for the year. And for Mingming, I mean, we need such more, more of you. There's a way we could just juxtapose you and just have duplicates of you. But I, I, I really appreciate what you do. It brings us circular thinking in what you're doing. You talked about the Amazon aspect. I've been doing uh, some collaboration in, with Amazon in my space. And when you see uh, what we considered as waste, what items are being returned, even in the liquidation space, is great value for somebody else who sees the potential of, I think when you were talking about a product, like was it bed sheets or mattresses? I can't remember what it was. So it's reminding us that stay alert whatever you're saying, be a creative. We are, have that seed of creativity programmed in our DNA. You just never know what somebody will say it's junk, could be the greatest value addition in life. So this is Rich Mo and I'm um, glad to be in this space.
0: Excellent, thank you uh, Rich Mo. Let's hear from Kenny and then Johnny. Thank you so much. Okay, we'll go straight away to Johnny uh, to wrap us up and then come to you, Ming-Ming. Johnny, how are you doing, my brother? Uh, go ahead and share your thoughts on the proverb and uh, comment on our guest today.
8: Peace, peace, brother Simon. It's good to see you. Uh, peace to Stella, Cavs, uh brother Earth, Jay, uh, Rich Mo and other familiar faces I'm seeing in the environment. My brother Nate down there. Um, yeah, brother Simon, it's a... Uh, you know, thank you for just keeping this platform going and thank you for having your guest on. I think I've heard that a universal language is a baby's cry and a baby's laugh, but hearing the universal language is so and really hit different. Uh, with the proverb, the way a donkey expresses gratitude is by giving someone a bunch of kicks. Um, I didn't, at first I didn't really know which direction I wanted to go with it, but it reminds me of a Jewish proverb that says that one should not a- approach a goat from the front, a horse from the back or a fool from any side. And, you know, a lot of times in in, in popular culture, we equate fools to donkeys. And so I think that this is a reminder, like Brother Irv said, is knowing the nature of the thing that you're dealing with. And if you're dealing with a foolish person and you approach them from any side, you might get kicked because they're a donkey. So thank you, Brother Simon, for sharing this proverb. And thank you for just continuing this platform. I look forward to spending Kijiji night with y'all at the end of next month.
0: Excellent. Thank you so much, uh, Ming Ming. So many people shared so many perspectives uh, of the work that they do, of 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 the of their perspective of their interpretation of this proverb. But also, many people gave you great uh, compliments. So I want you to reflect on some of the things that you had, uh, and then share with us. Um, I, you know, I feel that I want you to talk about what you do with the used Starbucks. Uh, you know coffee coffee bags and then from there share with us how we can stay connected with you and the refugee artisan initiative and also how we can support you you know some of the people who are listening can become donors some can become volunteers so we want to make sure you let us know how can we support your incredible work so uh, i'll pass it to you
1: well, thank you all for your uh, great comments about the proverb, about the program. Um, so being resourceful is what we do here. And being in Seattle, you know, you we know are where the Starbucks is located. So all the coffee, majority of the coffee uh, uh, that are roasted by Starbucks are in Seattle. And you can imagine, you know, uh, hundreds and thousands of these burlap bags from beans from around the world from Colombia from you know uh, Southeast Asia and Africa you know all come to Seattle so they get tossed away after they roast the coffee because the burlap material is not recyclable and now they have become a very uh, one, one of our most popular product because we line it with bed sheets inside and in uh, the outside we really look for logo because each bag has tell you the origin of the country so it becomes a really unique piece of uh, artwork for each Uh, each piece that we make, Uh, and then as a matter of fact, Starbucks actually buy them back uh, for the employee store. So this circularity of keeping items out of the landfill for as long as possible in the process, creating jobs for our much needed community, it's what I continue to strive for. And I know that Seattle isn't alone. You know, materials are continue being created. And how can we turn trash into treasure? it's going to be, be, uh, you know, one way that we uh, participate in a circular economy.
0: Excellent. Thank you so much. Now, uh, go ahead and share with us, you know, any reflections on what everybody said, but also uh, where can we learn more about refugee artisan initiative? And also, how can we support you?
1: Yeah, so thank you for uh, your interest in... Hearing about the work I do, and uh, we are a 501c3 nonprofit organization. And a lot of what we do really uh, is through the community's involvement. So, if you are in Seattle, uh, you know, we're we'll always welcome volunteers because we are one of the few dropping centers for materials. People drop their donated uh, fabric, trims, and all that needs to be sorted to a way that we can reuse them. So, that's really time consuming. So, we need that part. Uh, uh, of helping our community to, to help us out, we also have groups, uh, volunteer groups, in, in company and corporations uh, that want to uh, have a, a, you know service day. Uh, we love that, and 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 right now, you know, donation is critical as we have about 60 women on the wait list right now. Uh, a lot of them need to be trained. So that program need to be funded. So a donation towards training will be much greatly appreciated. And, 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 and last but not least, you know, you can go to refugees, refugee with S, arts with S, refugeesarts.org. Look at all the amazing repurposed product that made by our artisans. Um, and, and, you know, see that that's another way you can support us. So together, You know through community involvement with us and buying the products and also support for the training is how we can sustain our organization
0: excellent i just want you to quickly talk about uh, the number of women that you've created jobs for uh, right now and your goal i think you have a goal by the end of the year there's a certain number you want to reach i think that's a really really important fact that i need you to speak to
1: yeah, so you know, when I started in 2017, I so with one woman. And then, uh, beginning of last year, before we moved to our new space, we have 13 women. And by the end of 2022, we have 26 women. And in year 2023, we'd like to have at least 45 women to be trained and be in the program. And by 2025, we'd like to have at least 100 women in our program. So, we're growing very quickly, adding staff. And are looking for partners, uh, you know, uh, to have products made with us. It can be uh, upcycle or not upcycle, uh, but along with really, you know, looking through this huge influx of uh, refugee community to Seattle, particularly from Afghanistan, and how can we address the inequality, the employment rate of these women who are normally isolated with a lot of mental uh, depression. How can we get them out of that state? Made them feel empowered that they can be the contributor of community. Uh, It is very critical. So, you know, it's a big goal, but we think it's doable through uh, a thoughtful strategy along with uh, funding that we think we can get there.
0: Wonderful. Thank you again, Ming Ming. And thank you to all our viewers on YouTube. Make sure you give this video a thumbs up, subscribe to the channel, and uh, on Clubhouse, thank you. Uh, my team, uh, Stella and Cubs and everyone else, uh, and also our listeners on Clubhouse. Thank you all. Uh, Tomorrow is going to be our last show until February 27th. Uh, I'm traveling to Africa uh, tomorrow, and after that, when I come back to Seattle, uh, I'm organizing a a major event uh, known as Kijiji Night. And... um, as I mentioned earlier, Mingming is going to be one of our guest speakers there. Uh, Johnny, uh, who is uh, on Clubhouse right now, uh, and Jay are all going to be some of our esteemed guests and artists who are going to be at Kijiji Night today. So if you want to learn more, again connect with Stella and uh, Stella will be able to share more information with you. But really uh, look at my Instagram uh, at Okelo Javan or my Twitter or here on youtube and you'll be able to learn a little about kijiji night but importantly if you want to join our mailing list go to my instagram link there's a link tree there and you'll be able to the first link at the top of that link tree is the kijiji night uh link you know and then you'll see other resources down there i'm grateful and ming ming don't go we need you uh for the rest of i need you for um you know, after the show ends, I need to talk to you for just a minute. Thank you all, and this marks the end of our program today. Blessings. African you are listening to African Father in America podcast by Simon Javano Kello, live from Seattle, Washington, USA.